Oh, what up, what up, what up? This is the Lazy Flossers Podcast, and we're back. And this time I got with me Brendan Lemon. Hey. Dude, you might remember Brendan from um, um, defending um, Trump <laughs> in episode, uh, I think, like, 13. It was actually exactly a year ago today that we recorded that episode. And Brendan has come out to visit me in New York. You know, um, to actually uh, congratulate Trump on not destroying the world. <laughs> Yet. Yet. Uh, but yeah, man, happy to have you back on the podcast, man. Uh, Brendan, actually, we're going to plug his shit before um, um, you guys check out. <laughs> yeah, before you guys all, all roll out. You go, this guy again. This yeah. fucking guy. So it's Madness Continues on YouTube and Madness Continues on SoundCloud, right? And you're hooked up to iTunes as well? Yeah, it's The Madness Continues and it's on SoundCloud and on YouTube and on iTunes. What kind of pretentious fuck has The in front of their thing? Am the I right? Madness Continues. <laughs> I'm the lazy fuck. It's just The Madness. Uh, it's the lazy philosopher. You know, hey, but like, you know, great things start with the in front of them. And this is why we're going to talk about frames. Look at that transition game. Bang! Game doesn't even have to make sense. I, before we even talk about frames, though, I got to tell you, this is the one year anniversary of, I think, me alienating myself <laughs> to your family by, <laughs> by talking about Trump Dude. and why he won. And the, and the white men built this country. The white men built this country. <laughs> If you guys don't know what we're talking about, then good. No, listen, <laughs> no, the then, episode then is just good. Named, <laughs> it's just named Trump, and 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 Brendan takes the reins of my podcast at the beginning. I'm like, hey, this is Brendan. He's like, okay, so this is it. And he spends like six minutes <laughs> establishing his argument before I can introduce him, which is actually a real good way to introduce frames. So, guys, if you guys don't know what a frame is, it's um, a frame of reality. So basically, it's uh, in life we have like a. I would say in every moment, life is a game, right? Like, most of the things that have any kind of uh, value to us, besides maybe, like, food and water, um, and even those are subject to this, is is part of a social construction, right? I want to imagine that you go inside uh, to a restaurant, and you go and purchase some food, right? Now, you hand the waiter some money. Now, that waiter intuitively understands that money is not meant for him. He also understands that that money has value. You look at the menu and expect to be charged no more than the money that's on the menu right and these are all part because we're part of a game and we we submit to frames but we also have frames and conversations and um brendan has a very strong frame of reality brendan is able to control honestly i've never seen you not control a conversation yeah maybe you know i know i like i know this because in the car um we were talking to another comedian named azar uzman very funny guy and i was saying something and then brendan started talking and i had to keep talking louder until brendan shut up and i noticed that you did it by the way (laughs) and i finally went i just give me the let bill have this (laughs) (laughs) i'll just let bill take the win here And, um, but these things are really important because what they do is they subcommunicate how much, number one, status you have, and number two, how confident you are. Oh, let me put on my, um, airplane mode. Um, yeah. So now, so Brendan, talk a little bit about frames. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, you just did a good job describing it. Like, frames are the, the information or the data, the meaning of the data as it occurs, whatever it is whether it's prices on the menu or money being handed to you or a quote or a symbol or the way somebody looks at you or the way you look at them, that data is meaningful because of the context that it's in. 
So you staring at somebody in the eyes is different at a bar at, you know, 1230 on a Friday after you've had a drink and a good conversation with some attractive member of the opposite sex that you just met versus out on a street corner at four in the morning when two people are staring each other down on opposite sides of the street. It's like two different things. It's the same essential activity, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, so the data is meaningful based on the context that it's in. So yeah, so there's the game. So number one, what's very important is, and I've talked about this on my YouTube videos, is, is number one is assessing what context that you're in, right? And what the r- general rules are. I use the word general rules because um, one of the things that Brendan and I have discussed since he, him being on this trip is that there's actually no actual rules. Now, now, now that means there might be things that still have consequence to you for your actions, but you have to understand on a very deep level that all of these rules have been made up by somebody. So none of these rules are actually, they actually exist in the universe besides, you know, the laws of gravity and everything like that. But we're talking about social construction. Yeah. So like that's part, part of it is because, so you might be thinking, uh, okay, got it. So I understand that frames are, you know, uh, somebody gives me money and it's not meant for me. It's meant for, you know, the job that I'm doing as a waiter or something. But what's also important to understand is that that, that idea is sometimes malleable or shifts depending on think about it like this what if the frame is not that what if there's a bottle of wine on the menu that says is $25 but you only have $20 and you say to the waiter something like hey you know I'm a good guy you're a good guy maybe we can work something out here um, maybe one of these bottles happens to disappear somehow but it ends up on our table I happen to have $20 maybe you find $20 on your shift tonight and then you hand him the $20. Now he goes and gets the bottle of wine and opens it. No sale occurred in the sense that he didn't, maybe he keeps the money, the bottle leaves the inventory somehow. You might think, hey, that could be unethical. Maybe it's not unethical. Maybe there was uh, a whole bunch of extra bottles and none of them were being sold anyway. Maybe this guy's you know, planning, he knows he can get it at a wholesale price for the from the restaurant for 15 bucks, he's pocketing $5. But there's the point that I'm making is that all of these things are all, they're all malleable and they're all flexible. And the context of the information can be defined or decided by the people who are involved in the interaction. Exactly. And so like the, the, I, I, one of the ways I've seen it done is um, by RSD Max. There's a long line in Vegas to get a cab, right? And he's with a girl and like it would be 40 to 50 minutes to get the cab and by that time the girl would probably be like oh this is probably not a good idea to go back to the stranger my this guy I just met's um hotel room so what he does is he goes to one of the the valets and he's like I don't want to wait in line for a taxi and he hands him 20 bucks and the guy like carts him off to get in the front of the line yeah and so the thing is one of the things is number one you have to understand that rules aren't always they don't exist in the way that you think they exist. Yeah. And that also at a certain level of status that certain rules fall apart. So a rule that would apply to, let's say, you waiting in line at McDonald's as a regular person wouldn't apply to you if you owned McDonald's, right? Because what what's changed in that situation is your status and your relationship to the organization. So that that's on one level. Then on another level is then so that those are the, that's the context. What you have to understand is you also have context with yourself. So you in a, intuitively are playing a game with yourself on how much you're able to explore a certain context, right? So let's say like Brendan and I are friends, right? Um, let's say um, 
but like Brendan and I are friends, it would be I picked him up from the airport today. It would be weird for me to be like, "Hey, Brendan," and I kiss you in the mouth, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, because that number one, that's not a game I'm playing with myself, right? And I'm like, that's not something I'm willing to explore because I don't see that as being part of my identity, right? So a lot of the times we have like um, success success barriers though is because we're not willing to explore things in our identity or our frame of reality with yes, ourselves. totally. Because that just makes us uncomfortable. But what you have to see is how that's holding you back and whether or not you're comfortable with letting that hold you back in that way. Yeah. And that, that, that I think, like, a big change in my development in terms of, like, lots of different sort of successes I had was as soon as I accepted the idea that I was, like, I don't give a shit what I have to do in order to get the thing that I want. I'm just going to do it. And that... um there's a there's a really strong I was telling you this earlier that mystery in the uh maybe at people who are listening to this know who I'm talking about the the sort of like famous pickup artist guy who kind of was on VH1's pickup artist like he's kind of a strange he's kind of a weird guy he was in uh based on and uh Neil Strauss wrote about him in the game but like uh he said a lot of like crazy different shit that the community still I think I think the community kind of has moved on from in terms of pickup. But one of the things that he did say that I think was really valuable is he was like, you have to be in control of your own frame and in your own life. And you have to be so in, you have to be in control of it such that you can't, you have to beat anybody who's trying to take it from you. Meaning like if you're 19 years old, you live at home. And I think his exact quote is if you, if you're 19 years old and you live at home and your parents are wanting to like, uh, take away like your room or whatever. If you have to like f- fucking threaten to jump off a balcony in their apartment in order to get your way so that you can have your own space and your own frame, it's that's what you have to do. Like as crazy as that sounds, like you have to do it, and that's the level of commitment you need to have in order to like keep your own frame in your own space. And so we, Brennan and I, have actually talked extensively about this, and I think. Even though that's an extreme example, I think one of the things is if you actually point it towards good reasons. So one of the examples we talked about earlier today was Nelson Mandela. Yep. Right. Nelson Mandela had such a strong frame of that he was not going to be a second class citizen in his own country. So strong that he was willing to stay in prison for 20 some odd years. Right. And eventually, whenever that relented, he became president. Right, because he w- he refused to basically he could have left prison tons of years earlier if he yep. was going to um if he was he would go back from that frame of reality. Other guys like um like just coming to my Hitler. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Like I, I mean, well, that's true though. Yeah. Like I mean, that's crazy as that sounds. He like, that's, himself rather than get caught. That's true, and he he had such a strong frame, as crazy as it sounds, that he was able to pull other people into it. That's like what one one of the things that a frame does. Only one frame can occupy a, space. a social space at any given time. It can't possibly be true that Hitler's take on reality and also the Dalai Lama. Yeah, take on reality are equally valid at the same time. They're not. I mean, they're and that's why you have things like uh, holy wars. Is because you you're looking at two religious frame of realities that cannot cannot co- coexist exactly and, yeah. and and I mean and this is even with with sections like micro sections and stuff like that the only way the only way like religions can coexist is if people actually just accept that part of the religion's bullshit yeah that that's basically it is that people are like well these rules don't really matter right or there's actually the frame that actually wins out is the political frame 
right? Or the money, the love or money frame or the cohabitation frame. There's always a frame of reality that's winning. Now, if you guys are a little bit lost, let me explain it in the most simple um, way. When there's a frame battle, let's say there's a girl you like or there's a guy you like, right? And let's say you meet them and you're like, oh, let's hang out all the time. And so you guys are hanging out all the time. And I'm going to use a girl example because um, I think I'm mainly guys listening. And also this is just more genuine for my reality. And let's say you guys are hanging out all the time and then you're like, oh, hey, like, you know, I'm going to make this move on this girl. Um, and so you try to kiss her and she's like, look, 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 we're friends. And what you realize is, is you've been building a friend frame. Yep. And so she has a frame of you as a friend and you have a frame of her as a romantic interest. Now, one of them is going to, one of them is going to be and one of them is not going to be. And usually it's the one that wins out as her frame. Yep. You know, because the, the, the thing is the person who needs less from the other person usually has the stronger frame as well. That's just generally how it goes. If you don't need something from somebody and they need something from you, they're way more likely to adopt their frame, your frame. Yep. And... Yeah. The problem is that, like, when most guys fall into, like, this, like, friend zone stuff, and at least in my experience, is it's that you're not willing to let go of the potential of the relationship or the relationship at all simply because she's not getting on board with your idea. Like, you, you're – one of two things is going to happen. Either she is going to get on board with your frame or you're going to get on board with hers or uh, – or The relationship's gone. Yeah, or that's it. The relationship ends. And – it took me a long time to realize that, you know, you're way more, you're way better off in your life getting rid of the opportunities that aren't filtering into the frame you want. Mm -hmm. You're way better off letting those go because they're a waste of time. So it's like, look, I mean, is it potential? Could there be a potential reality in which you or you end up getting into her frame and you guys have a valuable friendship? Yeah, totally could be. But like if you know that what you want is a romantic partner and that's what you're going after, then like the, it doesn't make any sense for you to do anything to do that. Like you're you're being especially if you're if you're lying to yourself by doing it, which is the other problem, because the other thing that I think happens not to like take this to a even deeper place necessarily or co- confusing place, but it's like you can you can get into someone else's frame and then lie to yourself about doing it mm-hmm. in order to to justify having done it. No, like me and Katie, we're like great. We're just like really good friends. It's like, yeah, I kind of was interested in her, but like, you know, it's like not a big deal. Like, you know, we're just like really, we're just like the b- great friends. I had friends who said this shit about girls that they were interested in. And after a while, especially learning game, I was like, there's no fuck. That's not true at all. Like you're interested in her and you're lying to yourself is basically what's happening. And you're, so w- what that ends up happening is building a weak inner frame. Yes. And, and what, this is the thing and this is probably the deepest thing we, we talked about all this stuff to get to talking about this because if you get this on point all the other frames kind of don't, they actually matter less because you basically the inner frame is this is how strongly you believe not only in yourself right people talk about believing in yourself but they don't even know what their self is yeah they, or they don't even know what they yeah they don't yeah. know what they mean when they say things like a, that exactly so there so like behind every cliche is mountains of truth but it only leaves you at the door Right. So what the thing is, is, yeah, you need to believe in yourself. But what is yourself? Right. What is what are the things that you're willing to stand on a ledge and jump off for? Right. So like, here's the thing is, I know that I want 
to be famous. I want to have tons of followers. I want to write books that move people. I want to travel the world. I don't want to be locked down, all these other things. And I will give up so much just to have these things. And I know them in the back of my heart to be true. I know that that like I trust myself in, in almost every situation. And I know that my actions are oriented towards good. And that what I want for people, even my enemies, even if I say horrible things about them, I still want good things for them in my actions. All right, these are all things I know to be true. If you know these things to be true and you know things, you actually, like like that Plato thing, know thyself, right? If you actually know yourself going into any social framework, you can wreck fucking shop. Yeah. Because like number one, people, people number one, when they, when it's so weird. I know you've had this experience before. Whenever someone hits a nerve and you're just like, ah, I'm, I'm done and I'm out. This is it whatever i'm gone or you're just not relenting to a bunch of people's social pressure even things like this i wear a headband get ragged on like a lot right but this is the thing is i i don't give a fuck like part of the thing is like this this goes back to mystery part of peacocking like people talk call peacocking is people gonna rag on you for peacocking right but the thing is that's how it actually shows who's actually confident enough to do the thing and who's not yeah that's why they're ragging on you to see if you actually have enough social status to pull off the thing and the more you know yourself the less friction from other people matter yep right and and so what one of the things that i'm like and i haven't done this yet i want to really write down and get down what is is my frame of reality so i can actually I can have something that I intuitively operate under because the thing is about like, let's say you play basketball, you intuitively know the rules of basketball. Yep. And so like you're able to game it and you're able to build on that. The thing is, if you don't know the rules of basketball, then everything's going to be so haphazard. You're going to yeah. be like, what is this? Why am I getting called for out of bounds or whatever like this? But if you know yourself, then it's easier to learn other games because there's, you already know 50%. See, and this is exactly what we were talking about earlier with like this, this example of like the restaurant and like the, like the bottle of wine that I was saying is like, you intuitively know the rules of basketball, but. You know, there are two levels of rules to basketball. Like, like um, I'm trying to remember the psychologist who thought about this. Um, Slavoj Zizek, the philosopher, mentions it sometimes. Uh, I'll try to remember the name of the philosopher in a second. I mean, the psychologist in a second. But here's the thing. It's like, there's a there are the explicit rules of basketball, and then there are the sort of implicit or assumed rules of basketball. That is like, this is the way that play normally works. And what's weird is that not the explicit rules don't always necessarily line up with the implicit rules mm. or that the implicit rules and the explicit rules potentially both don't line up with something that could exist within like the the bounds there's actually a name for this in french it's called coup de jarnac it's a real term the coup de jarnac it's a term a, that refers to a specific duel that a guy named jarnac had back in the 17th century in which he, this guy, is, this is back when they dueled with swords rather than pistols. And he practiced a specific, uh, he was not good with a sword, and he practiced a specific set of parrying defensive maneuvers that then would work to do one simple move, which was he could defend himself and then cut a guy's knee. Like, that was it. He could only do the one thing. But in the duel he was able to pull that move off five or six times to the point where this guy's knee had been so badly cut that he was bleeding terribly and then had to lose the duel, his opponent. Was he a better swordsman? No way. Was he even maybe participating in the spirit of the duel? Not even. Did he win the duel? He absolutely won the duel because he 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 he, he reframed 
the situation to be one in which his opponent could no longer continue to fight. Uh, one, one of uh, somebody who does that in the modern day context, um, who's very good at this, is Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather is a really great defensive boxer, right? But he he basically has horrible fights, like spectator value wise, they're awful fights because he's willing to basically exhaust the opponent, which yeah. is very boring for people to watch. But he doesn't care whatever anybody calls him. He's not going to get roped into something that he can't win, right? And at the end of the day, it is about winning. I love the School of Life video where it talked about the virtues of um, Machiavelli. Yeah. Um, where he says that there's far too many good-hearted people who won't be evil to get their vision done. Yeah. Which I thought was so powerful because they think that it absolves them. He Basically, um, Ellen de Baton. Ellen de Baton. Yeah. Ellen de Baton. <laughs> he um he asserts the position that number one we are that you cannot be both good in the public space and the private uh, be a good person and rule effectively, which I actually do agree. That's why I didn't want Bernie Sanders as president. Um, I don't actually think Bernie Sanders is a good person. I just think that like you want someone who has the capacity to do evil to be effective. Yeah. Um. Um. Number two, and that creates a lot of friction because a lot of people try to hold you to the, these multiple different facets. And the problem is, is that so many of the great people with really benevolent visions will not lower themselves beyond their principles in order to get the job done, and and they remain completely ethical in the entire thing. But this is the thing: is if you have an if you have a greater vision. I don't know. I'm not trying to say that you should be unethical or that you shouldn't have a code. I'm just saying that, like, at times, whenever you're accomplishing your goal, it's not going to be pretty. Well, like, it's... So, Machiavelli... We've had this conversation before, Bill, because we... Machiavelli was specifically referring to Cesare Borgia, Mm. who was kind of his model for the idea of the prince in The Prince. And one of the things that he was saying that Cesare was so good at was he made a mistress of Fortuna. And one of the things that Machiavelli talks about is that Fortuna has to be taken in whatever context you have her. Mm. So if, mm. if, if the situation calls for you to be the, the better man and stick to your principles and look good and, you know, be good in that context, then that's what you should do to win. But if, but if the, if the goal of establishing, let's say, whatever your goal is, and that's that's the question that I think maybe is the ethical question is, is it worthwhile? If it is, if it is worthwhile, well, then maybe you have to get your hands dirty. And Chester Ed Borgia, you know, executed a city full of people at one point. I don't know what, I can't remember off the top of my head what city, but like, you know, are those things terrible? Well, yeah, I don't think that they're, I don't think that anybody of us, any r- rational person would wish to have them done, but... Did it serve the goal of setting up a a state that then functioned in his, you know, after after he conquered the city? Yeah, actually it did. And so you wonder, what were the things that had to have happened? You know, like, think about this. Is America the greatest country in the world? I don't know. That's a good question. But, yes. yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think it's a good, I think America's been a force for, has been a force for good in the world. So the question is, did the three-fifths compromise, was it worth the North dirtying their hands in order to try to shake the yoke of a of an imperial Britain to then establish a country which would in the future go on to do better things. 
if, if you're if you're listening very closely, uh, Brendan is just trying to assert that racism wasn't that bad if we get the current. <laughs> that's not uh, yeah. That's not at all what I was trying to say. But like, uh, but, but here here's the I, and I don't know. This is, these the are for- questions that are getting away from frames. Though. Well, well, the Fortuna statement I think is actually actually extremely powerful because if so, Fortuna right that this um the philosophy or the moment of opportunity comes up in all of our lives. The issue is, is that whenever we go for these things and we see an opportunity pop up, if you haven't established your inner frame, there's questions going on within yourself about yourself. So there's not, you're not strategizing about the moment. You're strategizing about, oh shit, who am I? Yeah. And if you don't know who you are, then there's so many unknowns in the situation, which even if you act upon it can lead to your success or lack of success. But if you know who you are with absolute certainty, then it becomes easier to take advantages of these moments and see them for what they are and also see how far you're willing to push the situation. Yeah. So I, I think that's a good way to put it, was that you don't have to, you, the, the discussion of its relevance to yourself is is no longer there. You're you're fine, and that's the strong inner frame. You know who you are. So the fact that you maybe had to do X, Y, or Z, it doesn't have to do with how you think about yourself as a person necessarily. Earlier this week, so like one of the things I've been preaching to you guys on the YouTube thing, and also on Quora lately, is don't allow somebody else to tell you who you are. Right? Even even if their feelings about you makes you think that they're telling you about yourself, discard that, and basically know who you are and I've been saying that a lot and it's funny whenever you preach something very strongly how you'll inevitably be tested on it right after I got done having sex with a girl and she told she said that was a five in attractiveness fucking fucked my world up alright I was like wait what I'm a five <laughs> and um and but like it led through a level of inquiry but after that I think that is so funny <laughs> yeah I did, I, it, it shook me it shook me to my soul I mean my, I was completely naked I was like you know like whatever and then I was like I was like actions speak louder than words and she's like yeah I like fucking down <laughs> Uh, she like double I love that she doubled down on that fucking joke what a great tag yeah <laughs> <laughs> then I was like, I think I'm about eight. She's like, yeah, you're a charity case. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the worst part was whenever I said, uh, I said uh, that I was, um, that I th- uh, she was like, look, you're not a ten, you're not a nine, you're not an eight. I was like, wait, I could be an eight. I think I'm an eight. And she's like, look, if you're an eight, you get paid to be an eight. And I was like, what does that mean? And she said, well, that means like you'd be modeling or someone would pay, pay, you'd be stripping. I was like, people thought I was a stripper. I'm like, and she was like, are those people blind? <laughs> <laughs> this and- chick is so much sand. <laughs> This is amazing. And, um, yeah, but, like, the thing is, is, like, so, like, completely shook me, but, like, when when I went back and, like, you know, reflect or whatever, I realized that, number one, the 1 to 10 scale, fuck anybody else's scale, well, the only thing that matters is how attractive you think you are. Know that number in your head. Just, I'm going to tell you in advance, I never thought this would come up. Know that number in your head and then just believe it. <laughs> it's so it's so funny because I wrote about this in Quora recently, too, because I wrote an answer about how people date up in attractiveness and like the, my final answer was something similar. Was I was like, you just have to be sold on yourself. You have to be sold on what your, on what your resources are that you have to offer and that you have that are valuable. You have to believe in those things. Yep. Because if you don't believe in those things first, well, then no, not only is nobody else going to, but as soon as somebody questions you at all, you're gonna fucking. That's why people. That's why they do that. Well, and, and so, that's why they question them. Brendan is also a master salesperson, and so like when you're a salesperson, like I've had this in a recent quarter answer, but you already know what people are gonna ask questions about before yeah. they ask them, yeah. right? You've answered every question a million times, so he's able to sell it, say it with a level of certainty. You need to know that 
about yourself in every dynamic. Like one of the things that um, so like I, I was talking, I was connecting with a girl I used to date in college and I was telling her about my YouTube channel and Quora and stuff. And she's like, how do you write about stuff with such certainty? You know, how do you even believe that, you know, you're right or whatever gives you the right to say that? I said, because everybody who spent a time, um, extended amount of time with me since the age of 21 has life has gotten better by an exponential, like exponentially. And I said it in a way that number one that I think like kind of scared her with the intensity I said because it. Because everybody's <laughs> life who has ever been around me has gotten better <laughs> since the age of twenty one. Oh. <laughs> Hasn't yours? <laughs> no, it's because we have we stopped talking when I was twenty one. Oh shit, that's yeah. her mistake. Yeah, her life. Oh been- man, that's probably why she was looking at. It's because you were like, ever since we'd stopped talking, everybody's life around me has gotten better. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, and her, yeah, you know, um, and, but like the thing is... No, but like you answered it straight because you knew the answer. Exactly. My walls are thin. Mm. Uh, and um, no, um, yeah, and it's, so the thing is, is you need to op- know what you offer and bring to people. And, and honestly, be unafraid of saying it. Like, look, like people's lives will get better. And people's lives aren't going to get better with hanging with you then you need to change who the fuck you are, you know, um, because you need to be, especially as a guy, you need to be able to add value because if you don't add value, you're worthless. Yeah. The society, dude, this is the thing is as a guy, you, you basically, you, you don't have, you don't carry babies. <laughs> so you really don't have any value unless you're providing value yep. or are tall resources, <laughs> your ability to procure resources and that Reese and those resources are the form of, of value, basically, which is just the catch-all term that we use for anything that anybody can use. Yep. And was uh, there's something else I wanted to say about? Oh, so so here here I thought one of the things you had talked about was uh, on one level there's a level um there's the rules then the next level up is the strategy. Yeah. And I I thought that that was really interesting because I want like I'm I'm like kind of in my head like I'm trying to think of context where I can like like look at something and like look at the rules. And then now look at the strategy on how to, like, basically, like, bypass that stuff. Like, if you were trying to get into business right now, right? Let's say Google. Okay. Like, wh- how would you how would you get past Google's frame? What do you mean? So, Google has a frame of, like, you should apply online. <laughs> oh, I would go... Here's what I would do. I would... First of all, I'd figure out what I wanted to do at Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would look for the people at Google who are already working on projects similar to that. Then I would find where they spend their time online. Then I would connect with them in those spaces about the things they're interested in. And I would begin to try to engage them about projects they're currently working on. And I would look to learn as much as I could about those projects. And then I would look to add value first before even thinking about trying to start working for Google. See how many how many like hoops you went through that weren't applying for the job there that like oh yeah I see like let me think what I would do if I there was a job at Google that I wanted <laughs> mine is actually way more primitive but I would st- it 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 probably be number one I I like the idea of looking up the people that are already working in that space and then I'd follow them all from work you follow them all from work. <laughs> Yeah, Bill would just stalk people. Just stalk people. You could do what Steven Spielberg did. Steven Spielberg just showed up on the Paramount lot. 
I'm not joking. He just did? Yeah, he just showed up on the Paramount lot and started... He just drove there every day and just started meeting people and eventually got to be a PA, eventually worked his way up doing stuff. That actually is what happened. Well, so that's what I've done at Stand Up in New York. And, um, it, I mean, like, everybody there knows me. I've gotten on uh, popular podcasts and stuff like that. It's because people assume familiar. Oh, this is another thing about frames is people assume familiarity if you're there long enough. So, at first, any room that you want to be in... Um, usually won't feel good until you're supposed to be there. But here's the thing. Here's a quick hack on um, acting like you're supposed to be there. It's just be there before you're supposed to be there. Yep. You know, um, don't wait to be invited. Uh, and this, I mean, public property. <laughs> don't be showing up in people's house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just hanging on this girl's bed. <laughs> That's so funny. I saw you earlier today at the coffee house. And I just wanted... But that's but that's the second part is explaining yourself as a low value move anyway. So just stand there and say nothing when she gets home from her party. I listened to the lazy philosopher. He said, hang out places I don't feel like I should belong. He in. said, stalk women and don't say things to them when they discover you. Oh, this is I actually didn't say that. Thank you for reminding me. Another thing about having a strong frame is not necessarily explaining yourself. So people with strong frames, um, like you probably noticed this with your parents, so like you're like, what, what, why, why can't I go out with my friends? Like I don't have to explain myself to you. <laughs> you just can't. Yeah, you just can't. One of the things is is whenever someone's testing your frame, you don't have to explain your reasons. That's privy to you. You don't. Yeah. yeah. So like, if someone's like, "Hey, Bill, you know, I think you're a five, and I was like, "No, I'm a nine. What makes you think you're a nine? It's because I'm a nine. Because I'm a goddamn nine. So the the needing to make sense only matters in math and maybe philosophy. No, not even. Have you read most? <laughs> most philosophers are just rambling, insane. <laughs> that we call that continental philosophy. <laughs> Ooh, zing! What, what, how much time have we done? We done thirty minutes. That's good. Plug your stuff again. Well, yeah, guys. Uh, so thanks a lot for listening. This has been the Madness Continues podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See that frame control. <laughs> The best move, I don't know if you have Brendan Gay on this before, but Brendan, our friend Brendan Gay has a podcast called Brendan Being Brendan, and both times I've been on it at the end of the show, I go, well, thanks so much for being on my podcast, Brendan, <laughs> even though it's not mine. Yeah, and like, but like, see, like, Brendan uh, Lemon, the one that's on, is co- still collecting checks. <laughs> yeah, all, all that hot podcasting money. Yeah, guys. Um, yeah, check me out at the, the Madness Continues on SoundCloud or on YouTube. And uh, there are very different formats. Uh, one, the the podcast is just me ranting for why, 45 why minutes. Why are you explaining yourself? We just talked about nonsense. Yeah, because I want to <laughs> sell people on the idea of what they're doing here. We just, we just they got to know. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm explaining myself. <laughs> it's not like no, it's not like any explanation is bad. It's not like ever, it's not like never explain yourself. Donald Trump became president. Like if a police officer says, "Like, hey, why are you here?" You shouldn't be like, "I'm never explaining myself to the police." That's why, but you said it yourself. We had this conversation. That's why black men get shot by police more. It's because they don't want to explain them. It's so true, though. I, it's 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 holding frame. I can't help. I can't, it's just alienating all your family on this. Alright, it's the Madness Continues podcast. It's much like what just happened in the last 30 seconds on this podcast, but for 45 minutes. And my other one is the Madness Continues on YouTube. Uh, Thanks, man. This was fun.
Yeah, man. Hey, and also, as always, like, follow, share, subscribe, follow me on Instagram because I need it. Every follow I get on there helps me um, attract more women. <laughs> um, yeah. I thought you said don't explain yourself, bro. <laughs> That's don't explain yourself. <laughs> I explain myself because I want to, bro. It's all about where it comes from, bro. Oh shit, we didn't even get to talk about where your frame comes from. Well, like that's I might I might do a solo pod on that one. Um also I love you guys. Um uh yeah. <laughs> um have a good rest of the day. Follow me on Twitter and check out the YouTube, the Lazy Philosophers Pod, our YouTube channel. Alright, guys, Godspeed and good night. Nice.